Welcome to the Santa Cruz Coffee Break. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcasts, please follow, hit the like button, or any subscribes. It really helps us with the algorithms. Santa Cruz Coffee Break is produced by the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum. All opinions are those of the speakers. We invite you to join us on the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum at SCGCPF for more fun. Now, let's get on with this installment of Santa Cruz Coffee Break. I would like to welcome everyone to the 41st podcast of the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum. And once again, we have something that you aren't expecting today. Um, we have a photographer, artist, and um, excellent friend of mine. But um, I'd like to introduce you to Dennis Keeley. He's down there on the bottom. He's that guy right there. And um, I'll read a little bit of Dennis's uh, bio for you, just so you get an idea of who he is. Dennis works as an artist, photographer, teacher, and writer for more than 30 years. And I think it's more than 40 because um, yeah. we've known each other that long. His portraits of musicians have been used for hundreds of album projects. CD covers and publicity. Began his career as one of the established group of photographers in the field of music portraiture. Some of his clients include Warner Brothers Group, Sony Music, Geffen Records, and Universal Music Group. He also worked with many music and entertainment related publications was included in Rolling Stone's book, Images of Rock and Roll. Over the years, he's worked with such diverse artists as Neil Young, John Cage, Tom Petty, Richard Thompson, R.E.M., Herbie Hancock, Tina Turner, Steve Reich, I'm Exhausted, Tom Waits, Fleetwood Mac, Elvis Costello, Beck, Alice Coltrane, Ozzy Osbourne. There's a few stories with Ozzy, but she didn't show the picture. Lou Harrison, Sarah McLaughlin, John Luther Adams, and little Jimmy Scott. Um, Dennis's work's also been featured in books, and um, is, he is... Uh, well, the biography is long, but the book You Are Here by Fiadon Press features Dennis's photographs at the Bellagio Hotel and Casino and Fremont Street Complex in Las Vegas, and a book for Mona Selly Press, Everyday Urbanism, and I have a copy of that, deals with the subject of multiculturalism in Los Angeles. In 2005, DAP published a book using photography, Looking at Los Angeles, that featured his work and recently his work was included in the second DAP volume about Los Angeles entitled Both Sides of Sunset. Dennis has uh, worked with Frank Geary, um, the LA County Museum, uh, the Garden Center at the Getty, um, also a, uh, a member of SPE. Oh, boy, there's a lot of stuff here. Uh, um, and I'm not done yet. Yeah, we're not done yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I know Dennis and I have taught together at the Santa Fe workshops. Um, Dennis has taught at the Art College in San Francisco for 15, over 15 years. He was the chair of the photography department at Art Center College of Design, but that's in his past now. Um, a, a motivational speaker around the world. Dennis has spoken at South by Southwest. Um, he's, he's had uh, TED Talks and gosh, I just can't tell you anything more other than he's just in the past five months rebuilt his darkroom, his analog darkroom. And we'll start the work in there pretty soon. Now he's working on his office and I think he's uh, on the verge of a whole new kind of life. 
So welcome, Dennis Keeley. You know, it's a whole new kind of life every year. And, and, and I have to say, the, the art of it is, is in staying open to, to not, not what you're doing and not, not what defines you about what you've already done, but you know, where your curiosity leads you. And, and it's, 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 it's always been interesting to, to think about what's next. Um, I just finished a class um, that uh, Art Center would never let me teach. And we met once a month on Zoom. It, it was called Your Next Picture. So it wasn't about the, the body of work you've already made or, or about, about, it was about what are you doing today? What's, what's the next picture? Because that's what informs your life. It's, my work in music was always about the next song. It was all about, always about like, what, what's the next project? Um, uh, I worked with a musician in Nashville who will remain nameless, who sent me his cassette tape and it was called um, Rough Mixes Not In Sequence. And I went, oh, that is such a great name for a record. <laughs> and he said, uh, that's the not the name of my record. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, it's, it's always been about process. And, and here we sit in our homes, technology, I'd never envisioned this environment, could never have predicted we'd be doing this so comfortably, but also so chaotically, like before you opened it up, we were trying to make the technology work. And, and it's, it's really, there's the art of it, and then there's the technology. The technology is moving faster than, than we will ever be able to move now. And, uh, but the art of it, the, the curious circumstances that create something, um, it's a long tail. It's it's a it's fifty thousand years back to the French caves, where where people described an environment that they lived in that reaches across to us today. Um, music's not that much different. Music, photography, painting. We make the art of our time. We make this art that that reflects who we are in this time. And that's, that's the honest and critical part. Uh, teaching for me was always about introducing people to themselves. They had no idea who they were. They, they, had, they even had incredible talent. And, and still, um, you heard something in what they did that you said, hey, do that again. Um, what is that, what's that sound like? And- yeah, uh, if, if we don't relate that directly, if we don't relate that directly to music and and uh, mostly of our, our crew here and our crowd is, is music oriented, but, but it, it is just absolutely so true with what you said, that it's all about, you know, it, it, yeah, there's a lot of mu muscle memory that happens in, in, in being a guitar player or whatever, but. Just like what, cameras, yeah, just like cameras. Just what you bring. Um, just like cameras, no songs in those guitars, yeah. not one. <laughs> Um, but no, no, but no it pictures, enables no you in no pictures and cameras, no matter how good they get, um, and and still, the things that we make with these devices um, speak to something that can't be described. Um, songs, uh, 
I'm, I've always been more interested in songwriters than, than like, like professional musicians, people that have that muscle memory. But that, you know, songwriters, composers start at ground zero. They start with nothing. They, they make something from nothingness. And, uh, and, and musicians who, kind of like baseball players, um, practice is everything. Practice is, is like it enables you to interpret that, that potential into something that people can hear, um, that people can, can respond to, that people do respond to. Um, it's, it's amazing to see musicians, professionals make everything look easy. You know, um, uh, it's great and easy till you try to do it. <laughs> and then you realize I am years away from being able to do some of these things. We had a really interesting conversation with uh, a New York guitarist about a week ago, week and a half ago, named Charlie Ra. And it, it was fascinating because he's a writer and he's a cinematic writer. And it's fascinating that he said how he, how, what he writes, how he writes too. And Tad, slap me if I get, if I, if I go off on this the wrong way. But um, he wants to know what his, audience wants to hear and then he creates around that but he said then i'm starting from a place where i already have acceptance versus the fact that i'm just trying to go out there and make something he said i enjoy watching people enjoy what i do so that's the greatest so, you know so i'm going to jump out of order here but you know i worked with neil young and and Neil was so honest. He said, you know, people don't come to see me to play my new stuff. They don't, they, they, they come to see me play a song that, that resonated in their life 25, 30 years ago. But he said, if I don't play that song, like, who am I? It's like, I have this amazing life um, playing a song that every time I play it, um, it's a little worse. I know exactly how it, <laughs> how it works. It's like the first time I played that song, it was a miracle. I didn't know how it ended. Ending songs or finishing songs is like falling downstairs. It's like all of a sudden you're at the bottom of the stairs. The thing is complete. You pick yourself up. You look where you've been and, and you can do it again. And he said, but if I don't play that song for those people. Who am I? you know, I have this amazing life and it's three minutes out of my life and it completes them. They go home hearing the song that, that they remember a moment in their life. That's, that's not mine, but, but he said, um, it's my connection to, to, to something that I can never understand. It's like we shared a moment, we shared space in something that, um, only I can do that, and and they go home owning that. They go home with a memory that's that's indelible. And uh, he said, and the price they pay is they have to listen to my new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I'm not just going to play the song I wrote when I was 22, when I'm 65. Um, that's that's like I I'm a creative person. And. Yeah. 
as I say, it's interesting when you hear some of these musicians do songs that they wrote 30 or 40 years ago and they reinterpret them. I love uh, that. They change them. And it can be very interesting to see how the artist reinterprets their own work. Although at the same time, I think you frequently find the audience is less accepting of the, the, the new expression. That's right. Um, you know, I, I, so, so I know you're recording this, but I, I can't really care about this, but um, so Jackson Brown, not my favorite guy. Um, my wife, um, over the moon with that guy and she dragged me to see him. And uh, the one thing I said to her, I said, look, if I'm gonna go see Jackson Brown, I'm not gonna sit um, off to the left in the back. I have to at least have a good seat. And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, he showed up and he showed up with about eight or nine musicians. There were never more than four on the stage at the same time. But even after the second song, he threw the set list out. He said, you know, you know, I make the set list, but when people call out the song, they make a better set list than I do. And he said, <laughs> we've got people that can play these songs and, and, and they're really talented. I love being on stage with these guys and we'll play anything you want us to, hear, want us to play. So just call it out. He said, um, look, we're not gonna play Freebird. We know it, <laughs> but we're not gonna play it. But we're gonna play a song from each one of these people that are gonna be on stage. We're gonna play one of their songs as well as my, my songs. And I wound up being at this concert seeing something that I didn't expect at all. I saw him reinterpret his music with, with different people, with new people in different ways. It was really remarkable to see the courage that, that somebody brought to that environment, to be, to be playing and, and, and improvising on stage in front of you know, thousands of people. Um, it was great to see that how much fun he had, um, that, that when you can let go of like, like who people tell you you are, um, you can really have a lot of fun. I took the pictures of Neil Young. Um, I talked to him on the phone after I said, so I'll send you the pictures. He said, what, you want me to do your job too? And I said, well, no, you're supposed to pick the pictures. That's the way it works. He said, no, man, I just write the music. He said, you're the, you're the photographer, you pick the picture. And I said, wow, I've never met anybody that, that <laughs> um, he said, look, this is the way I do it. Um, I don't really, uh, um, it's your name on there. Um, he said, if I, I, I think you can see this in a, in a documentary about David Geffen. He said, you know, when I have trouble writing a song, I don't call David Geffen. But as soon as they have trouble selling the record, they call me. I said, he said, I never said I could sell records. I said, I could write records. I could make songs. I never said I could sell them. Their job is to sell them. And he said, um, I don't have any trouble making, making songs. Um, I, I have built this life um, almost outside that mechanism. And he said, I, I'm not gonna change it at this point. It's like, I just love like making music. Um, it's, it's new every day. Um, it, it's, my picture is similar 
um, it wasn't really about style or, or conforming to, to everything that, that came before. I'm, I'm pretty aware of how the evolution of, of, of photography works and the history, and, but at the same time, I'm not bound by it. Um, I want to make pictures about today. I want to make pictures um, that, that kind of make trouble. So uh, uh, all the things that we use in making pictures has changed, except for lighting, except for how we use light, about how, how we, we think about um, what things look like. And, and that, that visual um, uh, sort of that recognition, that moment of, of people looking at a picture um, it all happens in that instant. Um, what I love about photography is that is that moment where music can take um, minutes to happen. Let me decline this. My life is is unfolding right in front of me. Um, <laughs> music is a duration of photographs are instantaneous. You see them and, and they make, make an impression that, that never leaves you. I, I remember pictures that I saw like when I was in junior high that changed my life. Um, the, the, the album covers that I saw when I was like in New Jersey by myself changed my life. Those were my family um, when I saw, and I know they were fictions but they came into my bedroom and, and accompanied by music that, that I just sort of said, if I could ever do this, um, uh, my life would be uh, a miracle, my life. And, and so I don't know if Richard told you, but I was a musician for, for a bunch of years. I, I was a percussionist and a drummer. When I went to college, I played uh, in, in something called the Javanese Gamelan. So I was the drummer in this all percussion orchestra. I played with these guys for 12 years. And uh, my teacher who was in his 80s, 90s, who was a remarkable mentor, at, at the end he said, you know, you're not gonna be Javanese. You're gonna be, you have to go find your people. And uh, so I, I, I became a percussionist. Um, I played with uh, T-Bone Burnett. Um, we went on tour with The Clash and The Who. Um, I had great success doing this thing, but the, the way people interpret success was not the way that I was interpreting success. I saw the stadium stuff. I saw people uh, in their 50s playing stadiums and I went, uh, that's, not, that's not for me. That's not what I want to do. Um, after I got, went on tour, after I, after I went on tour, um, I played with Leo Kotke for a while. And uh, Leo said that uh, that Warner Brothers had some jerk that was gonna take his picture with a cover. And I said, I, I could do that. And uh, so he said, well, you have to go see this woman at Warner Brothers and, and talk to her. So I went and talked to her. I showed her the, the, the portfolio that I had of musicians already. And she said, wow, you really could do this. And uh, it, was a, it was a career change. It was, it was really just a shift into not being on the road, um, not, it was about making a, a, 
a thing that accompanied the music. It was about interpreting who they were in a way that wasn't exactly their truth. It was a truth that we shared. It was something that the people said, well, can you make a picture of this? And I went, yeah, probably. Um, let's, let's try. And uh, for 30 years, I had pretty good um, conversations about music, about pictures, about um, the, that whole environment of, of people seeing, seeing something and then listening to something. You could put the best picture on the worst record and it wouldn't sell. And you could put the worst picture on the best record, it would sell like crazy. Um, and I liked that, that, that sort of imbalance, that, that sense of chance, that sense of like, well, we're gonna just make great pictures and, and people may hate them, but that's not what it's about. It's, it's really about let's make something together that, that, that is interesting, that, that, that we're curious about. That, that we're, is one of the things that's really fascinating about photography is that you don't have to create a great picture for people to be fascinated by it or yeah. absorbed by it or disgusted by it. Yep. That doesn't yep. work with music. You know, it, you make really bad music, people will walk away. They won't. <laughs> but the thing, the thing I wanted to ask about really quickly, it sounds like if you were doing all this great musical work and already had a portfolio, how did that transition happen? How did you, when did you start picking up a camera and saying, ah, screw it, I'm gonna just take a few pictures during this verse uh, well, or, or? Well, after college, I had to make a living. So um, I, I got a job in aerospace for a while and that was, that nearly killed me. I had a top secret clearance. I was working for TRW and Hughes and, and then I quit that job. Uh, I'm really good at quitting. So uh, um, that's something that, that has followed me. And, and the guy, the other guy I'm sharing screen with has been a, a, a big troublemaker in my life. He has encouraged me to quit jobs um, regularly. So uh, um, I, quit, I quit the job in aerospace and I was sitting around in my kitchen and uh, my friend came over and he said, so I'm working at this startup newspaper called the LA Weekly. And he said, and they'll hire anybody and I went over and that, and that afternoon I got a job there. I became their photo editor and it gave me access to, to portraiture, gave me access to, to making pictures. And I was still playing in tons of bands. I was still like, like the weekly newspaper didn't pay me anything, but it paid my rent, but I still was playing music. And, you know, I auditioned to be in the, uh, um, uh, Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band. I, I played, uh, um, for, for Don, uh, didn't get the job, but the more auditions I went on, I realized that I wasn't just going to be a guy in a band that I, that, that I had to be in a band with people that I really liked. And so I, I did, I did some things with Peter Case and with Victoria Williams. And, and when I started to play with Leo Kotke, I started to get more photography work, and I love that. And and I've and I still play music. I have I have Congo set up in my darkroom, so when when the prints are in the wash, I'm playing. Uh, music's been this 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 thing that has accompanied me in in a way that nothing else does. Music music is a, is a separate and and really distinct expression. I love listening to music. I still listen to 
you know, Javanese gamelan, um, I don't think anybody listens to that music. Um, but I'm not an ethnomusicologist. I'm not. I'm not a student of this. I'm. I'm a. I'm a participant and a and a and an enthusiastic uh, um, listener of all kinds of music. Uh, my friend John Luther Adams, who uh, got the Pulitzer Prize for orchestral music a few years ago, I went to junior high school with him, and uh, we went up into the Arctic wilderness to uh, um, explore. Uh, the wind harp, and, and also look for uh, illegal oil exploration. So we were up in the in the Arctic wilderness for for a month. Um, this was not junior high school, though. No, this was this was like in in the nineties. Um, uh, but it starts in junior high. It's those relationships start with uh, being a, a kid in junior high, listening to uh, John Coltrane and and uh, John Cage and and. And, and a number of like experimental musicians and also traditional musicians, um, people that, that play things that, I'll say it, that everybody likes. You know, there's a universal sort of invitation to just love music and, and love photography. Um, the, the, I've made a couple of these transitions uh, after music changed, after iTunes came and, and decimated uh, um, bands and, and, and ways that they, they made music. Um, I had this opportunity to apply for a job uh, teaching photography and to, to create a curriculum for people to learn in, to create an environment where it was a 360 learning environment for for art was irresistible to me. I just said this is this is an opportunity that only comes around once once in your lifetime. And in the end, I did I accomplished a lot of the things that I wanted to do. And then the structure, the institutional structure, same thing with with music, same thing with technology. These inst institutional structures became too confined, too too small too, too uh, unoriginal, you know? We're living in a time where making everything great again is, is, a, is just a reflection of the past. I'm, I'm done with, let's just make everything great. Like, let's make everything great now, new. Um, let's explore things that, that, that the technology allows us to do, that the, that the creative part of it is the foundation, is the part where, you know, this is a, a, a wonderful, unbreakable circle. In, in terms of drumming, if you don't learn the basics, you're not gonna be able to play the cool stuff. Um, you have to start with the book. Um, I had a great teacher who said, so here's the book. The book, the book will teach you how to, how to do independence of hands. It'll teach you how to think about music. It'll teach you all the, the ways that people learn to do this. He said, if you play the book with other people, it won't work. Playing with other people, it's all about listening. He said, it, it, it's, it's like that's when you throw the book out. And, and that's when things really happen. That's why you practice. Practice for performance, not because you're going to be you know, the best <laughs> teacher in the world. You want to be a, you be a, a, a creative person. 
you want to use those tools to, to express something that only practice will allow you to do that. Practice is the window and it's the door that you walk through that um, a good practice um, feels terrible. Your hands hurt, you know, your brain hurts. You didn't practice the cool stuff, you practiced the basics. And uh, um, school was a place where I could initiate a vision for the future, but also this sense of, of practice where we're going back to the beginning. We're gonna go back to, to like the fundamentals. Um, we're going to talk about composition. We're going to talk about exposure. We're going to talk about, and and these are things that Richard and I talked about um, uh, till the cows came home. Uh, we've had um, we've had several um, several adventures. Uh, oh yes, <laughs> long long distant long, some long yep. distant adventures and and some some quite terrifying. I'm going to share a picture with with everybody right now. Um, I think it's the last time we got a chance to photograph together. I think so. Because usually it was, it was, okay, car trip, let's go. We, yeah, we, we, we were both vegetarians at the time that Dennis got, um, got married. And for his uh, uh, bachelor party, we went to 29 Palms and ate barbecue. And here's two people that hadn't eaten meat in, in a tremendous in a long time. time. And all of a sudden we're both eating barbecue. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna share a picture right now and uh, Dennis can talk about it a little bit. Um, we're very lucky. Yes. After, after this picture, well, and it, we'll show you this picture here and, and we'll tell you that we are very lucky. To... So Richard and I were gonna teach this workshop up in Big Sur and so, I went up there a couple of weeks before we were location scouting. And uh, Richard said, oh, there's this place I know, you know, uh, mile, whatever it was, mile 16 down the PCH. And he said, I think it might be a really cool place for uh, um, like late in the afternoon. And uh, uh, we both, we both, um, we both work every camera in the world. One of the, one of the things that Richard and I share is that everything from thirty five to two and a quarter to four by five to eight by ten, it's 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 picking the right right thing for the the thing you're trying to do. And um, so we're hiking down this this incline, holding these four by fives and tripods and camera bags, and I'm going, well, this is pretty adventurous. <laughs> Um, and I know we're hiking back up in the dark because uh, the sun, it's late afternoon and we're just going to work the moment. And, and we get down to a place, a little, a little, this little sort of resting place. And it's, it's, uh, we're, what do you think? We're 45 feet above the ocean. Yeah. Easy. And, and it's, it's turning into like a pretty cool little environment. It's quiet. We're there early so that uh, um, we're prepared and uh, and we're just talking. We're talking about what the stuff we always talk about. We're talking about our marriages. We're talking about our work. We're talking about um, life in general. What what's going on? Uh, we're 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 just talking. And uh, um, the next thing I know is my entire world is dark and and um, uh, we got hit by a road wave that was probably 15 feet above our head. 
and uh, um, we are soaked. And that little that little place you see in the distance there is uh, it runs right into the Pacific Ocean. And at about a, at about a thirty foot drop. And my camera bag is floating. Uh, my jacket went. Um, there's a sea lion wearing my glasses somewhere. Um, um, and, I, and I'm grabbing the camera, I'm grabbing the, the, the camera bag and I'm watching my stuff float over the edge and, and the water's up to our hips. It's like we could be going too. And um, <laughs> so, so, so here's the weird part, you know, we're photographers, we, we're already wet. So we decided we're gonna make some pictures. And uh, this picture was made uh, um, after that, that whole place that you see where the water, that was dry before the wave hit. And uh, we're still looking at the weather. We're still looking at, at, at the moment and saying, well, it's pretty much a miracle that we're still here. And well, if you can look at, the, look at the, the, the right side of the screen, there's kind of a wall there of rocks. And I think at one point we were both clinging to those yes. <laughs> for, for our for our lives um it was uh, it, it was it, it was i'm glad that we had done the practice well, well <laughs> i'm glad the, we were practiced in what we were doing and and as as we were climbing back up the hill we were both saying well we're not bringing the class here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. we are not we're not going here but, that's that's but, for sure. But photography for me has always been that adventure. And, and I'll say this, Richard was a person that we could go on these, these excursions together. And somehow or another, we'd get out of the car. I'd never see him for, for two hours. We wouldn't make a time to come back to the car. We wouldn't, wouldn't like say, I'm going to go this way, you go that way. We would just get out of the car and, and somehow or another, we would all arrive back at the same time and uh, um, with completely different pictures. Um, and, and I don't know very many people like that. It, it's the, the assignments that I had, um, it, it was a, a road crew. I would show up with a couple assistants and makeup and hair and um, we, we, we would, you know, lead off into the wilderness to make a picture that that we had already scouted, but photography, like music, it's this exploration. In the beginning, it starts with these these curiosities. It's like I wonder if I can do this. I wonder what this would sound like. I wonder if I plug this in. What does this look like? Um, that, that you can go back to that picture. That picture. No, I'm going to have you talk about something else. Oh, okay. I'm going to have you talk about this one because it's the same thing. <laughs> I like, like that. Come on, that's not what I want you to do. <laughs> Technology. Oh gosh. Um, it. Okay, so I'm going to try this. What, what do I have to do here? I want. I want you. This is what I want. Is you hold shift? Nope. I don't want to do that. Can I share that? It's still doing the same thing. Here, leave that up, and I'll talk about this for a no, second. No, I'm going to take it away. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, now let's see if we can get this one because this is what I really want you to talk about because this is a fantastic image. Which one is it? And I'll just start. It's Sarah. 
that Sarah? Let's look at that one. Let's talk about that one. So this is a portrait I made of Sarah McLaughlin. And, and um, I, a lot of these people, um, I didn't know who they were. So, I mean, we started with a phone conversation and usually Veronica would tell me who they were. Veronica would say, oh, she's got this song out and it's, it's really popular. And I listened to it and I went, I like this. And, and uh, so I, I talked to her on the phone. She said she wanted to do two half days in New York City. And I said, well, that's kind of expensive. I mean, we're gonna get a studio and, and uh, she said, yeah, but you know, I got this hit record and um, the whole, you know, the whole all day thing is exhausting. And, and I'd like to do two half days if you can do it. And I went, well, nobody's ever asked me to do this. So yeah, I'd love to do two half days. That seems really humane. And uh, I said, you know, one of these days, I could make this picture that that I love. I'm making these pictures these days with a pinhole camera. And if you're, you're I think it was kinda, mine, by the way. Yeah, I said if you're kind of up to it, um, the exposures are a minute long. You can't you can't even breathe. You can't move. And and in in an hour, we'll probably make three or four pictures. That's it. You know, not the thousand pictures that we make with the 35 millimeter thing with, with you know, 100 rolls of film. We'll make like four pictures. And so we made this with the four by five pinhole camera with Kodak high speed infrared camera. We built this this sort of dress um, to, to cover her legs so that she could, you know, sit there. Um, but I would watch from camera. We'd open the, open the, the little lever that exposes the film. And then I would just watch her for a minute. And in 30 seconds, if she took a breath, say, okay, um, this one won't work. So we'd, we'd throw that out and start again. But we did make about four images and they were, they were beautiful. They were, they were, they were everything that I wanted. They, they were, you know, meditative. They were, they were about crossing time. It was about, using technology that's that's really ancient um, and and applying it to something that that there was an element in her music that was not about the girl from Canada it was about a kind of she was accessing something that was more timeless and uh, when you find a partner like her um, anything can happen um, Sometimes people just want you to do a picture and, and that's, that's okay. That's about my practice. That's about competency. Um, sometimes people hire these people in their band that are so good. I can't believe how good they are, but it, they're not playing their music. They're playing somebody else's music and they're good at it. But there is something about the magic between people that are letting go of what they've already done and, and, and letting something else happen. So letting, letting the, 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 the accidents come in. And uh, when you see something like that, um, you're seeing something that, that it's a special moment, it's a special time. And it happens in photography, it can happen in painting, it can happen in sculpture, you hit the, hit the chisel just right. Um, uh, Writers happen, they do this all the time. I worked, a, uh, I taught a class with a writer. He said, when you write the one thing, he said, um, 
you just throw uh, throw out everything you wrote before and you write that thing. He said, but you can't write it again. You write this great sentence. You can't just repeat it 10 times. You have to just move on. And he, he said, writing's a terrifying thing. He said, the most important thing about writing is typing because <laughs> trying to get the idea from here down on the page um, or trying to get the idea from here through the strings on the guitar or through the keys on the piano or trying to get the idea from here into the film, that's the trick. That's what professionals do. That's, what, that's why we practice. It's why we talk to each other about, about how we do things, the, the technique of things. And, and uh, um, those conversations that I had with composers and musicians were compelling. Were, were really just, uh, there were so many crossovers. Um, Philip Glass used to sit in front of the piano for an hour every day, whether he played the piano or not. He just got used to sitting there, you know, being comfortable sitting in front of the device that eventually he was gonna write something on. And uh, um, I, I think the, the pulling back the curtain from that mystery of practice, that mystery of creation. Photography was my way of, of sharing that with, with people in a creative way, not, not in, a, in an educational way, not in a way where do this and then do this and then do this. It was more like, you could do this. You know, you could do your own thing, um, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. You, 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 there's a lot of stuff that winds up on the floor, you know, that, that you think you can't use, but all those experiences are critical. Every one of them, uh, failure. You learn more from failure than you do from success. It's, it's terrifying, yeah. but it's the truth. Um, you make between simple and easy. Yeah. That's, uh, that, that I think is a critical one that, that, I think many people don't really think about it. I think they equate simple and easy as being the same. And I, I think it's really almost opposites. I had teachers that could, my Javanese teacher could sit across from me and play my part backwards. Like, 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 how do you do that? And, and he would say, you know, I've been doing this for 80 years. Um, he said, you've been doing this for eight you're like a 12 year old, you know, this is, this is the way people begin. He said, but he said, you're a musician. You're not an academic. And he said, it's fun to play with you. It's fun to watch you make mistakes. It's fun to see you learn something that, that other people just mimic back to me that you're really trying to embrace, that you're really trying to, to bring in to, to your, your knowledge base. And, and I was saying, yeah, this is really too hard. <laughs> Can we go to lunch now? And, uh, and, and he was really all about creating a, a whole life about music. And, and it wasn't just one piece of it. It wasn't, wasn't a music lesson. It was like a lesson in, in growing up and, and in really, really in, interpreting something in the 70s that was written a uh, hundred years before that and making it be uh, something that he related to from his court tradition 
and that I related to in terms of jazz, in terms of like, wow, so there's this whole system of improvisation that is amazing. So I'm glad you put this picture up. Bootsy was one of my most favorite people in the whole world. You don't have Bootsy, you got Tom Waits. Hang no, on. I got Bootsy on my screen. I'll put Bootsy up for everybody. Yeah. Um, okay. that's, that's what we're seeing. Yeah, we're, and, seeing, we're seeing Bootsy. So Bootsy took seven hours to get dressed. Nobody could see him. Uh, we sent we sent coffee and food in. He wouldn't be seen until he came out of the makeup room. But um, I built this background for him. It's all made out of uh, mylar and window screen and 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 junk from Home Depot because I loved making things that that were simple but um, like could be something else. Um, when Bootsy came out, he was a walking picture. Um, everything <laughs> was, was curated, everything was composed, everything was, and we had a conversation about music that, uh, you know, he used to play with James Brown. Um, he, he played with Parliament. He could play uh, Jimi Hendrix leads on the bass. He, he played stuff on the bass. I've never seen anybody play on the bass. Um, I, I said, so Bootsy, I, I'm just curious. You have a girlfriend? He said, um, uh, she's a very jealous girl. <laughs> he said, she doesn't like competition. And uh, um, he was this guy that, that um, I never thought I would meet. And, and I got more great pictures um, from him just being there and, and, and us having this moment together. Than, than I get from people that pose, than, than I get from people who, who uh, have, a, have a, a kind of formed identity that they're trying to work. And Bootsy just is. Bootsy is, is, the, is the whole person. He, is, he plays stuff. Um, it, it's what he loves to do. He loves to play. Uh, and, and every time he sat down to take a break, he sat down and played the bass. Um, he was just, it was just a, a whole moment that, that he sustained by, by sharing with us who he really is. And when people do that, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher or a student or, or a performer, when people can do that, then they get outside themselves something happens uh, that's that's indescribable it's it is that is that moment that you take away from from it forever it's 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 indelible uh, we started to talk about the stories behind these pictures that's really what it is all about the stories behind the music the stories behind the pictures the stories that 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 create these things that um, that are beyond our, our human, you know, uh, perfectionism, right? So it's really about this, this, this letting go. Um, I, 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 you, you, you will absolutely hear that in, in every musician, I think that we've, we've talked to, is the magic happens when they let go and they listen. And, yeah. and, and especially in the visual arts, you know, the magic happens when 
you're ready and you just wait for it, I guess. You know, that excellence, that, that place of letting go of perfection is right on the edge of failure. It is right huh. on that edge. It's like um, um, you are working without the net. You are, you, have, you are bringing to it everything of your whole being. And, and I must say, in photography, I can cite uh, a, a lot of examples of you can see that this was that moment. One second later, wasn't going to happen. One second sooner, it wasn't going to happen. Um, so it's Frank Zappa, right? Yeah. The most difficult picture maybe I've had to make um, amongst many others. So he was completely resistant to having his picture made. Um, Gail set up so many roadblocks. I was just persistent. I just wanted to make his picture. I'd seen, I'd seen the Mothers of Invention a million times in high school. Um, I thought they had amazing players. Uh, the, the, the musicianship you saw on stage was unlike most people. And so I got this, this magazine called and said, so we want you to make a picture of Frank. And uh, Gail said, well, there's a million pictures of Frank they can use. He doesn't really want to have his picture taken. I said, yeah, I would assume that's true, but I'd still like to make his picture. And uh, I just kept at it. And finally she said, okay, Frank will give you 10 minutes. You can show up at 10 minutes of eight in the morning and he'll be done by eight o'clock. And I said, okay. And I said, all I need is you need to set up a, an extension cord uh, coming out your front door because I need electricity in the morning. So we showed up, I think around 6.30 and we built a studio on his front lawn. We lit this thing. We, we built a little house on his front lawn. And sure enough, at 10 minutes of eight, he came out and he said, well, I've never seen anybody do this before. <laughs> and at eight o'clock, he said, um, you guys want to come in for breakfast? You know, and uh, he, they made us breakfast. We stayed the whole day. Um, he played us music that he was writing. He, we had a great time. I realized that if he hated you, he just wanted you gone in 10 minutes. <laughs> and and that like here's the contract and now we're going to break the contract because uh on on this table you'll see my copy of uncle meat and uh um it's my original copy he looked at it and he went well you got your money's worth out of this one <laughs> and he signed it for me um you know he was a lovely guy i met his family um he's so you know he smoked constantly and he drank huge cups of coffee he never slept i uh, related to that but there was a side to him that that i don't think you ever saw uh, on stage but but it's it's how he how he wrote that music who he invited to play with him how how they constructed an environment to make things happen on stage that he couldn't do by himself but he worked with some of the best musicians um, uh, we'll ever see in that, in that genre. Um, I went to school with a guy named Ed Mann who, who played percussion in, in his band. And uh, Ed was the perfect guy, he could play anything. And, and he loved um, both adding to what Frank did, but also helping to arrange the band, helping to, to rehearse them. And, and uh, um, Frank was a perfectionist 
but also built on top of that perfectionism, uh, a quality of improvisation that you could only do by, by building that foundation that was so perfect. Um, yeah, I really, I, uh, no, cooter. Yeah. You know, can I just say that one thing I've noticed that, and this is because you two are photographers and I am not, but you use the term make his picture, whereas I have always heard everybody I know say, take his picture. Yeah, I don't take mm. pictures. Yeah, you make I know, that's a, it's a, that's a, it's a, it's an interesting kind of philosophical, philosophical um, approach you know, to it. I you don't... I kind of you know, fell into it because um, Richard and I had a mutual friend, Al Weber, who was an outsider. He was a, 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 a malcontent. He was a, a guy that I took a workshop with in, in college never, before I even knew Richard. And um, we went to visit Al with, with our group when we were up in, uh, up in Yosemite. And Al always talked about making pictures. Um, and and it just resonated, I think, with with the two of us. That that uh, I don't even think people in the group heard the distinction. But uh, you know, you make a really good point to talk about, like Cooter. You know, like Ry Cooter. I got this opportunity to photograph him. They they the record companies. He was making this project. What you see behind him, and and our age will show us now. Um, he's rebuilding a good humor truck, a Studebaker good humor truck, an ice cream truck that they, they, are, they, they don't exist anymore. They, they, they trashed them all, but he's rebuilding this thing for a record he made about Chavez Ravine, about Dodger Stadium, what was there before Dodger Stadium. And inside the ice cream part, he had a, a guy build a little diorama of Chavez Ravine. It's, it's a, it's, and, and they're welding this whole thing together. They told Rye to show up with uh, four changes of clothes. And uh, um, when he showed up, he said, um, so um, do I really need changes of clothes? I said, man, not for me. <laughs> you look like you're wearing the right stuff to me. Um, and, and I rented a, uh, one of the first digital cameras. I, I didn't even own one yet, but um, I, was studying this stuff. So I showed up with the big Canon. Can't even remember what that thing was, but it failed. It just completely failed. The batteries didn't work. The, the, the camera went down. So I shot this with my eight by 10. So I brought the eight by 10 because that's who I thought Ry Cooter was anyway. He was this guy who transcends music genre. It's, it's, it's a thing that's out of time. And he was completely uh, 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 just hypnotized by this camera that's as big as a bread box. And he said, so you're going to make my picture with that thing? I said, uh-huh, it's going to be a great picture. You'll see. Um, but we talked about, I said, you know, you're probably one of the best guitar players that I, I've ever met. And he said, well, you know, I'm kind of a noodler. Um, he said, you know what a noodler is? I said, no, I actually don't. He said, it's a guy who can catch fish with his bare hands. And he said, I'm pretty good at that. I'm really pretty good at like, <laughs> like, like I go to the place and I see where the fish are and, and like 
that's what makes it possible for me. He said, it's not really about the parts. It's really, they hire me to, to, to solve some sort of problem they don't even know they have. And he said, I I'm, really have a lot of fun. He said, all these projects I work on, he said, you know, the, the, the thing I did in Cuba, I made no money on it. Like, like Bush took all the money because he, he couldn't believe that I would go to Cuba and, and work with these communists, you know. But he said, you know, we breathe new life in, into something that was falling by the wayside. And he said, they loved how I played. And I said, man, it comes through in the music. It, it's like you can tell that you love what they play as well. And his new record, the, the Prodigal Son, is such a great record. You know, he said, you know, my wife and I got really lucky. We wanted to, we wanted to give birth to a drummer. We didn't want another guitar player. We needed a drummer. <laughs> so we got really lucky. <laughs> and he said, and my kid likes me. So, uh, you know, we, we avoided that whole, that whole shift of like, my kid hates me, hates my music. He said, you know, he's a great drummer. Um, and 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 Rye has this amazing career um, that that he plays on stuff you don't even know he plays on, but that thing he did for Paris, Texas is is is, is unprecedented. It's yeah. it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music you'll ever hear. I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to be part of that recording session yeah. and uh, at, at Ocean Way, and and uh, it was. Uh, you just kind of stood in the room with your mouth open because <laughs> you really couldn't understand that, that this the music really, just comes out of them. Yeah, this um, this was happening in front of you, you know. Yeah, um, he's yeah. he's just a likable guy who has and and we broke for lunch. He said, "So do you think I have to go home and change clothes?" I said, "No, I think we have to eat lunch. <laughs> I think lunch is the most important <laughs> thing we're going to do right now." Uh, but you know, I love helping people move through this thing that you spoke about. They think I'm gonna show up and take a picture, but none of the pictures that, 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 um, that, that I love, that, that I show, are, are pictures that didn't have a, a conversation that happened before we made the picture. It was all really like spelled out about what, what we're trying to do. Um, this is a particularly moving picture for me these days because I just thought he'd still be around. I thought Penny would go, I thought he'd be the, the, the elder statesman guy still creating songs long after uh, um, people half his age had given up. Um, he, he had such amazing intuition. Our meeting, our first meeting, uh, I met him at lunch with his management. And uh, at the end of, we talked about making pictures and he said, so here's my, here's my phone number, call me. We, you know, we'll, we'll figure out when we're gonna do this. And um, he split and the management said, um, you can't call him. And I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, yeah, you can't call him. He, he, tells people this, but you can't, you gotta call me. We'll set up a time and we'll set up a conversation. I said, but he told me to call him. And he said, yeah, you, you can't call him. Don't call him, okay? <laughs> Just don't call him. And I said, he told me to call him. Like this is, so I think we went back and forth a, a, a number more times and I finally said, okay, I give up, I won't call him. 
And uh, um, next day I called him. <laughs> I said, so your management, Tony said, I shouldn't call you. He said, oh yeah, he tells that to everybody. He said, uh, it's like, so, you know, let's, let's work out like, like what we're going to do. And uh, I'm not going to tell you he was my friend, but he was as close to being a friend as, as, as one can be in this sort of relationship where we're going to make something together. And, and it was really a hundred percent him, a hundred percent me. I'm going to say something really, uh, um, almost controversial. I don't think Tom knew how to write these songs. I don't think it was an intellectual thing. These things were so much just an expression of, of not even who he was, but, but like they came from some other place. He could write songs like crazy. Um, and, and, and so he was the rhythm guitar guy and he could just like, he put this band together in Florida from high school friends. He was the only guy that wanted to come to Los Angeles. They were all happy in Gainesville, you know, playing college dates. And he was the guy who said, I gotta get out of here. I gotta, I gotta go to Los Angeles. And, and it produced a lot of trouble for him, but he was the real guy. That Like this was a path, um, I think he died accidentally. You know, fentanyl is a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. And um, uh, it's been a bad year. Prince, is, Prince was a, a victim of this thing and, and, and drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. All he needed was a hip replacement. Um, he didn't want to stop being on tour because people wanted to see him. And so the fractured hip turned into a broken hip, which turned into like more pain than, than people should have. But um, as we get to be as old as we are, the discipline becomes the really important part. Like how much do you want to do every day? How available? Part of why I left school was um, we had made that shift where I was home all the time and they were saying, so we need to come back. I said, no, no, we don't need to come back. We need to build something that's both online and in person. We need to build something that's low residency. That's the way people are going to learn from now on. We've explored this thing. Let's make it work. Let's let's make something that's new. And uh, I won't speak for you guys, but I know I am of an age where I constantly have to remind myself I'm not as capable as I used to be. Man. And as I've said to many of my friends, I don't know how it's happened, but you know the the sheets of plywood and the sheetrock and, and everything else I, I deal with have all gotten so much heavier in the last five to 10 years. Two, um, two weeks ago, I was typing with nine fingers. Because <laughs> <laughs> this finger, I thought I broke it, uh, but I just sprained it. But I'm not 35 anymore. You know, uh, I'm not getting up on the ladders anymore. I'm uh, not not hauling stuff around the way I used to um, uh, stupidly, you know? I am getting smart. Yep, and, uh, and the dark room was that exercise. I had a number of people who came over who hammers and nails and, and drills and, and they would look at me and say, Keely, you're not gonna use that saw, are you? I went, oh yeah, no, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so, it, and 
And I had experiences at 30, 35 that were really important. So I share, I shared the building of this dark room with people and uh, they, they, they showed up every day. I couldn't believe they showed up. I'm saying, so, you know, I can't explain, you know, what this means yet. I haven't started making prints yet, but you know, we built this 14 foot sink and I have these three enlargers and furniture and, you know, I went out the other night, sat the yellow light and, and I didn't even make a print. I just sat in the yellow light and listened to music. And I went, wow, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing here. Like this feels right. This is the, this is the right environment for me. And I have a big garden. So I've been doing a lot of gardening and that's, that's uh, age appropriate, you know? <laughs> you kind of said earlier where you were speaking about um, the mechanics of, of, of routine and kind of the rituals of practice, uh, using those as the foundation. Um, I was going to say earlier that too often what I seem to see happening these days is people accept the technology um, as being able to overcome all that with an algorithm and that, you know, you can just take any old random picture and then the computer and the technology can change it into something else. And that happens with music and it happens with so many things, but really it's, it's more about getting that kind of innate understanding of what's going on and then being able to open that door and catch that piece of magic as it flies by. So if there's any, any downside to this that I have seen uh, personally that is so troubling is that um, students today want formulas. They want to know the answer. Right. And, and they don't want to do the work. They, they really do look at, at professionals make everything look easy. So yes, we use technology incredibly well and, and the technology is getting better and better. The AI stuff in Photoshop is remarkable. It used to be like, like the stupidest, the, the content aware tool used to be the stupidest tool in the world. And now it actually works. Um, so people using these tools in a, in a, in a, prof in a professional way, these are great tools, like, like tuners. I mean, uh, these are really important things. You're, you're not tuning by ear anymore. You're still getting the vibrations, but, but you're right, the needle's in the right place. And so you're not wasting a lot of time. Um, you're getting to the music. You're getting to a place where, where it starts to invite you. Um, what are you bringing to the party? Are you just going to be a technician? Are you yeah. just going to be the tuner guy? Wow, he plays really well in tune. Um, I'm going home now. <laughs> and the, one of the things I've noticed, like the, the simplest one, is the dictionary. Oh. Nowadays, nobody owns a dictionary because you can look up a word on your phone or, or on your computer and you don't have to, to deal with opening up this big, huge book and flipping through the pages. But opening up that book and flipping through the pages, I would always stop at a dozen other words or a dozen, dozen other definitions 
and it was eye-opening. Eventually, I'd get to the word I needed, but it was like a, a journey. Um, so I don't want this to devolve into an old guy conversation. Okay, let's get away from but, the old But no, but no, you are so right. Um, I, I do a lot of writing. I would always give my students in the back a kind of uh, a list of vocabulary words that I use um, with no definitions. Just like, go look it up. Um, the, these, these things are about this, like, I don't know how to say this, trying to start the curiosity, right? Not, not telling people to be curious, letting them find their own path. And, and the, the formulas for jobs for, for in music and in, in art and photography, I don't want any of those jobs. I don't want a job in education anymore. Um, the, we're not, we're not, uh, don't get me started, but we are only teaching 20th century technology and skill and ideas. Um, the 21st century stuff is all around us. It, it, it is, it is there, but, um, but it's, it's, uh, scary. It's about change. It's about transition. Schools are antiquated ways of learning. It's a, it's a, it's an institution that's pricing itself out of existence with, with skill sets that um, are already, you can buy them for 99 cents or you can get them on YouTube for free. And why you would spend $40,000 on an education that, that promises you so little when really it gets down to like, okay, moron, practice every day, try that. Try that for 30 days and see what happens. Um, go back to the fundamentals. See, you know, don't look at, at 1980s photography. Look at paintings from 1640. Look at, look at where inspiration happened in a, in a way that crosses time. Listen to music. Listen to Monteverdi. Listen to, listen to stuff where, where people didn't have all these advantages but we're playing things that, that um, are beautiful today. Um, uh, go back to Bach, you know, like, like and, and, and know that orchestras in those days were terrible. There was no, there was no um, universal tuning forks, you know, people just like winged it. Um, this, is, this is the lesson for us is that don't forget to wing it. Don't forget to, to like look at all the stuff that's being offered you today and then throw it out. Um, it's, it's you and, and this piece of wood with, with strings on it. And uh, when you see what folk traditions have done in every country in the whole world with less, man, they're cooking the thing. <laughs> you listen to those guys playing the Chora um, they're doing stuff that uh, most people can't do today. Uh, and, and those resonances um, are, are critically important. The, I have a conversation with a, with a remarkable photographer, a guy named Keith Carter. And Carter and I talk for years now about what makes a person look at a picture twice. Everybody looks at a picture once. What makes a person look at it again? What makes people listen to a song twice? Like, 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 I gotta hear that again. 
um, I give an assignment to my students, 50 great things, like 50 great things in order. What are the 50 great things in your life? You know, is it a well-made cup of coffee? Is it, a, is, it a, is, it, is it the right shirt? Is it, you know, what is it? One of my older students said that one of the greatest things in his life is putting the needle down on the vinyl thing before the music starts. The anticipation of, of the song beginning is, is that moment that is indescribable. The anticipation for, yeah, it's like, you can't describe it any other way except like making that little, like it's this. And, um, you know, I can remember going to concerts and seeing the curtain open and just going, okay, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm alive. I can't believe this is, this is a moment that is so beyond me, you know, it's, it's about sublimity. It's about, it's about this thing that is awesome. Um, I was at Woodstock, you know, uh, I ran away from home to Woodstock. I remember seeing um, people there that, it, not to sound like I'm a 60s guy, but it blew my mind. <laughs> I was I, never the same. Um, I, 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 I gotta, I, I gotta say that one of the, things that I've really wanted to try to do with this podcast we've accomplished today because we are really taking who who in the world on a music podcast wants to listen to a photographer <laughs> but but I think we didn't that, even show very many pictures yeah we didn't, <laughs> we didn't but but I think that the level of thought that goes into creating anything whether it's it's music or it's 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 a it's an image or it's a, a film or it's it's a, a great dinner you know the, the, yeah it, it, it's all the same and it, we we've had this unbelievable opportunity today to to listen to and i i think dennis is probably about 40 or 50 times smarter than i am in a whole <laughs> bunch of in a whole bunch of areas and and uh, but you're really being offered a different perspective and a different point of view and a very, very thoughtful point of view. Um, and, and you can imagine what 12 hours of the two of us together in a car would be like. Uh, and it's really pretty brutalized, you know, anybody else. And, and, and I think we've kind of brutalized our listeners a little bit here today in this, but. I got to tell you that probably out of the hour and 15 minutes that we've been on the phone, there's been something that's been very, very, very important that was said about every, about every 40 seconds. <laughs> so, so I wrote down something that I didn't, I, I kind of want to leave you with this. And I, and I, and I, and I didn't want to not get this said in the time. I, I didn't set my watch or anything, but it, there's two there's two two kinds of people and um you know how do you get to carnegie hall you either you either practice like crazy or you buy a ticket you know um the first time i walked out on stage um in at the kingdom i realized like life's not a rehearsal it's like it's like this is that moment and and i was overwhelmed by being on that stage and, and 
you know, in soundcheck, we made the sound be perfect. Like, like I never heard music um, played with other people where I could have anything I wanted in my monitors. And, and, and the audience out there, you can't recreate that. Being on that side of things changed my life. It was about, it was about wanting to be in a place of, of criticality, of, of, of pushing myself to, to something that was impossible. I never, in New Jersey, I never imagined that I would ever be on a, in a place playing music for people who showed up to see something that that meant something to them, and and that that relationship critically important, but but the 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 part inside me, and 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 Richard, you doing something here that that's about three people. It's about more than one. What what can happen with more than one? And and teaching was really important for me to explore that. But this is the new college. This is this is the new environment for 360 degree learning. The the, the one dimensional classroom has has run out of steam. People, it's a new time. People are learning differently. People, people, we talked about this. People want formulas. I wanted formulas in school too. Just just show me the answer. But my teachers wouldn't wouldn't do that. They refused. They just went oh. What a ridiculous thing <laughs> to ask for! Um, don't you want to learn how to do this for yourself? And and technology is this thing that invites us, not every minute or every day, but every second now, to 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 be ourselves. It's supposed to lead us back to each other, the bigger global community. This is it today. This is, this is the thing that reaches out past ourselves, past the limits of, of, of what, what we can do in our different, different locations to people that um, are gonna be our new friends. They're gonna be our new, our new family, our new, the new creative people, the new people that, that pick up the baton and run with it. And, and it's not gonna come from a return to something that's, that's formulaic. It's gonna come from like letting go and, and seeing, so what can happen? You know, Richard and I would get in the car. We didn't know where we were going, but somehow or another, it's like, let's stop here. <laughs> let's stop here. Let's see what happens. And, and the, 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 the connection from practice and fundamentals and, and the experience of, of dedicating yourself to doing something more than you are in the moment, man, that's life. That's the part that, that never stops. Uh, I love being a part of it. I love being invited to these kinds of rooms. And, and, I, and I always um, uh, say yes. No is always negotiable. It's so important that you not look for that formula. Yeah. But you actually look. You actually look at what is inside you that will put your brand on it when yep. you put it out there. And and the, the the traditional way of learning would be four plus three equals seven, and f f eight and a sixtieth of yep. a second, and be yep. there is a wonderful thing, but. If you then start to learn to think 
and you start to question and you start to do all that stuff, well, all of a sudden, why comes up a lot. And why does it have to be this? And why does it have to be this? And then it's thrown back to you to go in out there and exp explore that. And that's, and that's what technology brings us right now is there's 80 million people that have probably explored it. And yep. they've, they've explored it 80 million different ways. And it's, it's how you do it. And 79,000, you know, 999 of them didn't start with why. Yep. They started with, oh, I can like, let, let me get the, 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 the book out. You know, let me, let me see what people, have, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. It's almost Simon Says. Simon yeah. Says, do this, do this, do this, do this. And then, then the big question, like, do this. And you kind of go, wow, um, now what? Now anything can happen. And uh, um, mm. the, 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 the thing is up to you. And, uh, but, but I'm meeting a whole bunch of people that are really on board. Like we're, we're, we're sailing the ship out to the unknown. God knows, God knows where we're sailing it, but I uh, like that. I'll always get on that ship. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think every time um, it's good company. Dennis, you've been unbelievably gracious with time that you've given uh, us today. You know, I, I, Richard, yes to always. You know, we 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 continue to make trouble, and now we have a new partner, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to say that the one thing I've taken away from this is someday I want to go on a 12 hour car ride with you and oh, Richard because that would just be amazing. A, <laughs> I had the a, pleasure of going on a nice long ride with Richard. It's a scary place The to cool go. things about the 90s was that Richard could get rental cars. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will, I will say this. I will say this right now, and 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 God forbid, if Hertz would figure out, but I've got a lot of stuff coming up in the next couple of couple of months where I need to move around a lot, and traveling is expensive. And last Thursday, I got this, I got this email from Hertz, and it said, "All your points are going to go away at the at, at um, in October 20, 2022 and you have thirteen thousand. Oh and my I went, God. I thought I had like 200. Yeah. So, so I immediately booked it for a week to, to, to go to Portland. I'm working with Eric Sky and um, uh, Jamie, Jamie Stillway and, um, and Tim Connell up there. And um, I just booked a trip to come down to LA next week. And, and you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to load it up. I looked at it and I got, I still got 8,000 points. Man, I got like a lot of free car here going. I'm not going to tell them. <laughs> come by, see the dark room. Yeah, I will. Well, I'm going to be right right around your corner. But um, thank you so much, Dennis. Thank you so much. Really. This has made my day. Um, I hope so. It, yeah, absolutely. And there's, uh, there's we'll see a lot you soon. Of, yeah, there's a lot of thoughts that have been thrown out there. And, and a lot of them aren't about make a C chord or a D chord or a, a G chord. You know, it's yep. about why. Yeah. And, and for all those people who actually are only listening to this podcast, please log into the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum or look us up on YouTube so that you can see these images and find the links to a lot of this stuff. You can, you can, uh, because I, I initially thought when you said we were breaking new ground here was the fact that we were doing a 
an, an audio podcast about visual material, which I thought was kind of interesting. interesting. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it challenges your imagination. Yes. Um, Dennis, yes, yes. You, you have a website. Yeah, uh, it's denniskeelyphoto.com. Yeah, and and you can see this work yep. here, but but um, try to try to tune into the YouTube version of it because uh, I know I have a, a fantastic picture of Rye Cooter over there on the wall, and I I sit and stare at this picture of Tom Petty every day. So um, you can I look at it twice. I look at it twice, <laughs> so, and maybe I'll figure out why. But <laughs> that's right. <laughs> thank you so much, and thank uh, you. Get Great out meeting and, you guys. Yeah, get out and enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Okay? I will. See you soon. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye now. We hope you enjoyed this installment of the Santa Cruz Coffee Break. For more music-related fun, please join the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum at scgcpf or santacruzguitarplayers.com. If you have any questions or possible podcast topics, please contact us. If you have a product or service that you feel would be of value to our listeners, please consider adding your support and keeping the coffee pot on. Contact us for more information. We ask that you hit the like, follow, bell, or bookmark buttons so we can keep you informed of upcoming podcast episodes. We hope you enjoyed Santa Cruz Coffee Break. Now it's time to go play your guitar.